Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, where we're taking a look back at the Oscars from years past. I am Tim, and with me, as always, is 1988's favorite emperor, Palmer. How are you today? I'm good. How about you? I'm I'm fine. I was really I, hoping for an Emperor Palpatine impression, but I, you, I you really have failed. Well, that's next week. It is next week. Well, he's not in the movie. <laughs> that's okay. Spoiler alert. We're talking about Star Wars <laughs> next episode. No, he has a scene. No, he doesn't. Yeah. We're watching Star Wars. They only Tarkin only mentions him. The Emperor has dissolved the Senate. He doesn't have a scene where Vader's in the eggshell. That's Emperor Strike. That's Empire Strikes Back. Oh, all right. Well, luckily, I'm rewatching this movie before we talk. Yeah, about what it. the heck, man, dude? It's been like 40 years. I'm so disappointed in you. You're <laughs> not that old. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we are here to talk about 1988's Best Picture nominees. They are Fatal Attraction. Broadcast News, The Last Emperor, Moonstruck, and Hope and Glory. Can you tell me what won Best Picture? I'm going to say it wasn't Hope and Glory, because I didn't even know that was a movie. (laughs) Same. Uh, (laughs) Neither did iTunes, if that's any indication. (laughs) um, Half of these movies were not not, uh, recognized by anybody. I agree. I'm going to narrow it down between Last Emperor and Broadcast News. I'm going to say Last Emperor. Last Emperor is correct. Okay. It did, in fact, win right. Best Picture. Really, you were, not, you were between Broadcast News. Well, I guess based on these other movies, that, <laughs> that's actually the one that makes the most sense. I'm, I'm going with what I think the Academy will, uh, will pick. Yeah, and they, you were right. They chose Last Emperor. Know what I can tell you? They didn't choose Fatal Attraction. <laughs> Let's talk about the sexiest of 80s movies that ever was oh yeah fatal attraction i I would like to point out that we have a a sex movie with glenn close yep follow up next year with by with a sex movie by glenn close (laughs) well then we also have a uh a movie in which uh william hurt plays a moody person (laughs) i'm having severe deja vu yeah like like if I could remember any of the other movies from la- from that year, I would make more jokes. Um, I mean, I have my, I mean, I have my notes right in front of me. I can. I'm sure there was a movie about war. Give me a second. <laughs> I'll get there. Night. So 1989's yeah. movies were Dangerous Liaisons, the yep. other sexy Glenn Close yep. movie, uh, Mississippi Burning. Okay. Working Girl, which is the moonstruck yeah. of this. Okay. Of this thing, we can we can say. Yep. Uh, the accidental tourist, which is the William which is the Hurt, William Hurt, yeah. Where in that one he plays a, a smart a, person, a journalist. <laughs> a, 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 he plays a journalist. No, in Hope in uh, no in Broadcast News he plays a journalist. Yeah, he know. plays a he plays an author in Accidental Tourist. And Rain Man is the other is the other book. I mean the other film. <laughs> the other book the other book. <laughs> so so um, so there's so, no war movie, right? So Moonstruck is Moonstruck is Working Girl, right? Um, Fatal Attraction is Dangerous Liaisons, yep. Um, the accidental tourist is broadcast, broadcast news. news. So, hope and glory and the last emperor are not Mississippi burning and Rain Man. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure last emperor is a lot like Rain Man. I think it's nothing like <laughs> Rain Man. Um, yeah, probably not. Hold on, broadcast news. My mom's calling me. <laughs> One second, please. <laughs> Hello, 
And we're back. What a lovely woman my mother is. Ah, she's great. Yeah. But anyway, going back to what we were talking about broadcast before. Broadcast news. Broadcast news. <laughs> um, we were still going through the comparisons of right. like, those movies. Doesn't matter. Yeah, no, we're, we've lost that thread. <laughs> yeah, doesn't matter. I'm just going to start talking about Fatal Attraction now. Um, You've been waiting for this. It's been, it's been hours since yeah. the beginning of this episode. <laughs> Not really. But it's been a while. Um, Fatal Attraction, directed by Adrian Lin, written by James Dearden, starring Michael Douglas, Glenn Close, and Archer, Stuart Pankin, and Fred Gwynn. I really just did all those people just so I could get to Fred Gwynn. He has, what, two scenes? Doesn't matter. threw him in just because he's Herman Munster. Herman Munster was in this movie, (laughs) and he wasn't Herman Munster, and it was great. Yes, just like he wasn't Herman Munster in My Cousin Vinny. Yes, I haven't seen My Cousin Vinny in so long, I don't remember that. Well, I believe it got nominated, so we'll have to watch it. Heck yes, it did. Okay. Um, So... Fatal Attraction is about Michael Douglas, who is in this... Fatally attracted to... Okay, so don't, don't step on my <laughs> synopsis. Um, who is in this... Uh, who is in this... Uh, uh, loving marriage, lovingish marriage, uh, with Ann Archer, and they have they have a son. And... It's a son? It's a son? I thought it's a daughter. Was a daughter. Okay, I'll be honest. You, you yeah. go, and I'm going to look I'll, this one I'll up. be honest with you. I watched this movie two weeks ago, so it's just, uh, <laughs> because it's been a while since I've been able to... This took episode took a while for us to get to, uh, stuff together to record. So I may not remember genders that well. Um, but anyway, uh, Michael Douglas enters into this um, uh, affair with this woman, Glenn Close. They have like this wild weekend uh together and she just slowly descends into madness when he's like actually no I don't want to leave my wife for you uh and wasn't, wasn't really slow uh, no you're right it wasn't slow um <laughs> she descends quite quickly into madness and it only deepens further and further and further and further uh until until they're fatally attracted to one another um so there it is. I plugged the stupid title. Yeah, I, um, I beat you there. Yeah. Okay, so... It is a daughter. It is a daughter? Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's fine. Um, not important. Not super important. Um, this was a movie that I think, even more than Dangerous Liaisons, defines sexy 80s. Yes. And I will say that because, like, I don't view... like. Okay, I don't view Glenn Close as being sexy. I, okay, I'm, but she works in this movie. I agree because that's I think Glenn Close is a isn't is a terrific actress. She is, but she's not classically. I, I mean, sexy. She's I mean, not. She's not supermodel sexy. To be fair, she is, she's also she exudes grace and beauty. Yeah, but it's she, a different. It's a different kind of. She's also before our time. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even going back to see her, like I still have the picture of Glenn Close that I know of from Hook when she played a boy, right? Yep. From now <laughs> in my head, so yep. it's it's tough to separate the two. Sure, I yeah, because like her face is still very much the same, very much. She aged very well. Yeah, um, um, she did look a bit. I mean, she's thirty six. She actually says it in the film. She says I'm thirty six. Yeah. Um, but I think so from the time that Glenn Close is quote 36 or whatever in this movie to mm-hmm. now, she looks almost exactly the same. Yeah. It's it's pretty unbelievable. Um, 
this movie is the like I said the definition of sexy eighties. Yeah. Um. But I I I weirdly enjoyed it. Like yeah. I didn't. I it's not it. This is not my kind of movie. It's Correct. this this movie. If if anything, is about the dangers of adultery and why you should <laughs> may remain in your monogamous relationship. Well, I mean, this is the dangers of. Liaisons. This, this, is, yeah. <laughs> this is the dangers of having liaison. So it nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the danger of just like randomly hooking up with people. Like, actually, I think, that's true. Even I think with even with more, or without the monogamous relationship, without being married, yeah, or whatever. I think this, this is, is the more of, of an a, This is more of a commentary on the eighties and the culture of like you know if you have any sort of random one night stand, you're full of AIDS at that point because this was this was during the AIDS yep. epidemic. Yep. Um, so I'm thinking it's more of a commentary on that, mm-hmm. uh, which is definitely why it gets nominated because if you're living in the sexy eighties, yeah. which I will always refer to them as now, then, then this movie absolutely strikes a chord because right. it is the like epitome of what's wrong with the eighties. Yes. Including Glenn Close's hair in this movie. Yeah. It is kind of, and her weird, like white outfit thing. I kind of liked it. Did you? Yeah, I did. Um, so yeah, they, I mean, they they hook up and then she goes completely off the deep deep end, like very fast. Yeah, like it was simmering at the surface even before, right? Even before he's like, actually, it was just a one night stand, right? Now I'm not really on Michael Douglas's side in this movie. The man cheated on his it, wife, you know. Is there really stuff. a side in this movie? There isn't a side. This is like the, <laughs> I'm one on of those the, pr- I'm on his daughter's side. This is one of right. She this just is one wants of the, I'm on Annie Archer's side cuz you know what? She's, she's she's great. She's great. Yeah. Um but it's I've had this problem with some movies before where there just isn't somebody to connect to. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. and uh and so I think like Michael Douglas, like owns up to what he's done, which is an in- important thing, you know. So if you're talking like eighty symbolism, it's like him turning around and being like, "No, what we've done in the eighties is wrong. We need he, to be better." Yeah, but, but he, he does. But he does it out of necessity, right? Not because he really wants to, right? Because he realizes at some point, well, this is going to come out because she's just being crazy. Yeah, um, I kind of want people, but see, I kind of if you people haven't watched this movie, it's actually one that I, I, I would recommend people watch it because I think I think not necessarily for the story or anything, but I think Glenn Close's, um, this is one of the first movies that I've ever watched Glenn Close in where I've not been like it's Glenn Close doing a thing, yeah, you know? Yeah. I forgot it was Glenn Close, yeah. Um, like that scene this, where she's crying and she's just turning the light off and on, you know, it's just slowly yeah, like this is creepy. We talk about movies permeating the, the, the culture. Yep. And this is kind of the epitome of this. I you mean, think you so? have, yes, because for one, this is what, this is what every like girl goes crazy after one date movie is based on. Oh yeah. That comes after it. Uh, the bunny boiling scene, mm-hmm. you know, is in pop culture. Even like the you, because it was funny that you just said it. But like her turning the light on and off, it's a Family Guy scene. Yep. Like, and mm-hmm. I, because I saw it, I'm like, where did I see that before? And Meg is turning the light yeah. on and off when she's interested in Joe. Um, so there's a lot of things that permeate the pop culture 
And that being said, while I really like Glenn Close in this movie and mm-hmm. I like how she does the character mm-hmm. and it's very sketchy, I feel like what time and the pop culture have led me to believe, I feel this movie doesn't deliver on. Oh, so you think the 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 uh, I think it becomes, aura around the movie is better than the movie yeah, itself? Yeah, and I think it's mm. because it because like I've I felt this way with several things that kind of have this aura like oh this was a changing thing for a genre or a type of story where I've been past it like I came way after it so I'm used to this style now mm-hmm. so like I'm used to these girls gone crazy movies. And I'm not saying it doesn't do it as well as some other movies. I'm just saying I've seen other movies do worse. Like mm. other movies taking it farther, whereas sure. this was like the start of it. So we talked about this back when we did the night when we did 1959, and we the summer of '59. Um, we talked about um movies are that. Can you movies that that are the original, like I did this first, or one of the in um can is it fair to measure the original up against somebody who perfected the formula as right. opposed to created the formula? I will always say it's not fair to, mm-hmm. but we but do it's it anyway. hard not to. Yeah, I I, I okay. Like I, I feel bad that. about it. And I'm not saying like I agree with you. People should watch this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would definitely watch this movie again. I'd watch it again. I you'd have to not force me to watch it again, but you'd have to like coax me into it. Not because it wasn't good, but because it left an emotional resonance with me. Yeah, like it kind of like not scared me, like in the way that like Silence of the Lambs would yeah. scare you or something like that. But it was definitely like. I'm uncomfortable watching this. And actually, you know... In a good way, I guess. This reminded me... Your reaction almost reminds me of how I felt like walking out of uh, Gone Girl. Okay. Like when I... Oh, that's an excellent comparison. When I saw Gone Girl, I walked out of the theater and... Immediately took a shower. No, No. and I I text... (laughs) I sent a text to the girl I was dating. I was like, look, we have to break up. <laughs> um, your entire gender is bat crap crazy, apparently, and I can no longer be a part of this. And now you're married with two kids. How did that work out? Yeah. Well, she, look, eventually she's going to read that text, and it's going to be very awkward. <laughs> Well, it's not like it's very nice that you sent that message <laughs> that immediately went out and bought her a new phone. <laughs> and then, uh, like, no, 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 like, puts changed all your contacts. Yeah, um, but yeah. Michael Douglas is typical Michael Douglas. He's doing, he's being Michael Douglas. He's doing his 80s Michael Douglas. Yeah. He's not his Wall Street Michael Douglas. No, but... you know what he is? He's his, um, oh, the, the, uh, the Michael Crichton book, A Drama to Strain. No. Really, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> was uh, it was a Michael Douglas head. Demi Moore movie, which was basically just f- f- Fatal Attraction in the nineties. Disclosure, disclosure. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> go F- me. I can't believe I Fatal pulled that Attra- out of yeah. nowhere. I might not even be a Michael Crichton book. Actually, <laughs> I hate you. I'm gonna look it up. Um, yeah, disclosure. <laughs> Fatal Attraction two. Disclosure, because it's kind of the same movie. He's he's a. Uh, 
he's a married person, but instead of going on with the adultery, he doesn't. He kind of stops halfway and then has his life ruined. A Michael Crichton novel disclosure. Nailed it. Good for you. Um, so yeah, it, like there's a lot of comparisons to, dis- to disclosure that you can make, knowing that disclosure is also a thing. And I, th- uh, I like disclosure more. Um. Maybe because I really like Demi Moore. Maybe, like I feel like Demi perf- Moore. Maybe in, it perfected the formula. Yeah, I think Michael Douglas and Demi Moore have a little bit more um, chemistry. Chemistry. Thank you. You had the word formula stuck in your head. And you <laughs> I really were, did. And you were like, "It's something like formula, right?" Because it's science. Yeah, but I don't know what Science-y. it is. Um, but that being said, this was this was a this was a good movie. I was happy to finally get to it. Like I was really, I was really excited for this it's movie. Like check off the pop culture list. Yeah, yeah I agree. Like you, a movie, somebody yeah. you should see because people know what it is. A little bit of a letdown that I didn't get more, but unfortunately, that's what happens when you when you're re- when you're visiting stuff like this for the first time. Yeah. Well, these movies, I had only ever seen one of them before. Was it Hope and Glory? It definitely wasn't Hope and Glory. <laughs> no, we'll talk about it when we get there. Um, let's talk about broadcast news. Okay. Uh, which is a movie. Which that... is a movie written and directed by The Simpsons' own James L. Brooks. Isn't that... Isn't that you have it in your book, don't no, you? No, I did. I wrote it on the opposite page by accident. James oh. L. Brooks. Um, directed by James L. Brooks, written by James L. Brooks, starring Holly Hunter, William Hurt, and Albert Brooks. Yep. Um, I, I believe they're actually related, but I'm not sure. I didn't bother looking it up, to no. be perfectly honest with um, you. Didn't, didn't James L. Brooks also do um, Airplane? That's a... Yeah, mm-hmm. or Naked Gun. Like, I... I remember him being a big thing in the 80s, and then he kind of, like, I believe he produces The Simpsons. Um, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then after, and didn't he also do As Good As It Gets? Like, didn't we just do that Yes, one? that's why, yeah, he did do As Good yeah. As It Gets, because when I was writing it down, I'm like, why am I watching two James L. Brooks movies <laughs> back to back? Um, it's actually, if you pull up, if you pull him up on IMDb, yep. his two things are The Simpsons, the Simpsons movie, and then as good as it gets. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the Simpsons. Uh, he also he was also a producer on The Edge of Seventeen, which we were just talking about off air not too long ago. Jerry Maguire, yeah, big, oh, um, big, say way. anything, yeah. James L. Brooks. He's a is, he's more of a producer than he is. Uh, he's a big writer too. He's got yeah. more writing credits okay. than he's got more writing credits than producing credits. He's only got six movies. That he under, directed under his direction. Um, so, terms of endearment. Okay. Broadcast news. Yep. I'll do anything. Okay. As good as it gets. Yep. The the sequel to Evening Star. The sequel to Terms what? of Endearment. Nope. No. Um, Spanglish. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you know? I don't know. How do I know? It's I've never well, um, probably from IMD. How do I know? Reese Witherspoon, Owen Wilson, Paul Rudd, and Jack. Oh, Nicholson. right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. U.S. softball. Yeah. yeah. Um. So broadcast news. broadcast news was uh, it's about a really dumb broadcast anchor, a smart reporter who wants to be an anchor, and the woman producer in between, and what a tale of eighties sexiness this was. 
<laughs> Even though there was, it wasn't that sexy. There was no sex. There, there was, was, there was no, no sex. It wasn't. It wasn't that sexy. Um, there was a lot of shoulder pad action in this movie. Oh yeah. The, my favorite was when was Holly joking. Hunter takes out her shoulder pads out of her own outfit yeah. and gives them to Jane. Uh, gives them to Albert Brooks so he looks better in his suit. <laughs> and then, and then the next, it cuts to her adjusting her jacket to deal without the shoulder pads. And I was like, this is the epitome of the eighties. Oh, you know what? This actually fits closer in comparison to Working Girl because they both have Joan Cusack. They both they do both have Joan Cusack. Yep. Can I get you anything? Coffee, tea, me. <laughs> um, that's a that's yeah. a Joan Cusack line for yep. you from Working Girl, yeah. <laughs> from um, a movie from ten episodes ago. Yeah, oh my goodness. Um, so th- this movie, I'm not sure what this movie wanted to be. It wanted it, to be a movie about a network. Did it want to be a movie about a network, or did it want to be a romantic comedy about about these two things? So my big problem. So it's, the movie's really about Holly Hunter more than more than anybody else. It's supposed to be about the three of them. It's supposed right. to be about because it starts with them as kids, you know. And it's like you know, it's supposed to be about William it's, Hurt's character who tries really hard but he's just dumb and right. he can't help it he's just not a smart guy he even says like i can say these things but half the time i don't even know what i'm asking or what i'm saying i don't understand it yeah and then you have but he's a handsome man and then you have albert brooks's character who's extremely intelligent great at his job but he's not He's but not the best looking curly guy. Hair. He's right, yeah, and he's not the best looking guy in the room, so they don't want to put him on TV because right. uh, they try, and he like sweats the store, like sweats up a storm. <laughs> he becomes Nixon, yeah. Um, and then you have Holly Hunter, who is this extremely likable, cute, um, independent, persistent producer, and these two guys kind of fall for her, and she doesn't yeah. know which way to go, in one way or the other. Yeah. I thought they all had excellent chemistry. Yeah. I thought they all had excellent chemistry, but I I don't think the mo- like so there's that scene at the beginning where Holly Hunter's talking about like, you know, like how the how the edu- uh, the news system is going down and it's all about getting people to watch but it's not about real news <laughs> and man, yeah. I, I you know what? I want a sequel now, present day. Well, that's a, at the beginning of this movie, I was like, wow, this movie is so relevant because she's like, news is going down and they don't need, we don't care about telling them the truth anymore. It's just what they want to hear. And it's like, you know, new, like our biggest programs are like, oh, what should you wear? And the 20 best things that happened today yeah. under the sun and How all to this lose stuff. a guy in 10 days. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that, and then the movie really gets away from that and then it becomes like it like tries to kind of still be that but then it becomes more wrapped up in is like which guy is she gonna end up with you know my biggest problem was you're right it it gets a it kind of gets away for it from it but it tries to desperately cling on to it like when she's so against william hurt being an anchor yep she was like this is everything i'm against like no you're against doing stupid journalism they're just saying do real journalism with this cute guy with talking, the, right? Because people don't necessarily people don't really want to see the average looking person. I'm sorry. No, that's why. So that's why our movie stars are beautiful people because like, they're 
it, you want to watch what you could be and not what you are. Right. And don't get me wrong. Like, in my head, seeing this cute person on TV, it's not like I'm going to go out and trash, you know, people who aren't, you know, rail model thin. Right. It's like, I wouldn't want to see a guy like me on TV. Yeah. Because I see I see myself every day. I yeah. want to see something different. I told you to stop looking in the mirror. Well. I just carry one around. I, that's pocket. what's awkward. You're looking at it now. There hasn't um, been this much love in a room since Narcissus discovered himself. <laughs> that's a Hercules yeah. reference for you. Yep. Um, so that being said, again, like I don't know what it is. Something about 80s William Hurt I just don't like. Okay, you know, I'm glad that you said that because we're two movies with William Hurt in the 80s now, yep. and I haven't liked him in either movie. Yeah. And I really like William Hurt. <laughs> like he is a he's a great actor. Yeah. He's so good. Like A History of Violence, he's one of the best parts of that movie. He's in it for like 5 minutes. Oh yeah. He's he so rede- he won for that I think or he was nominated. Um I think he was nominated for best supporting actor for really? that part. For History yeah. Of that movie is No, a- wait, that's Ed. No. No, it's not. It's William Hurt. It's not Ed Harris. It's But Ed Harris is in A History of Yes, Violence. he is. But but so history of violence, Vigo. Spoiler tangent. Um, Vigo Mortison. <laughs> spoiler for an upcoming episode tangent. Vigo Vigo Mortison <laughs> is the ex hitman. Right. Ed Harris is the guy that's like, you need to come back. And right, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, come on, I'm Ed Harris. You gotta, you gotta right. do this thing. William Hurt is the mob boss at the end of the movie, where Vigo Mortison's uh, like, yes. "Screw all you, I'm just gonna kill y'all." Yeah, I'm gonna go do Eastern Promises next. Right, which is a okay movie. Yeah, wasn't as good. No. Um. So yeah, I it's been two William Hurt '80s movies, and I haven't liked him in either. But I do like William Hurt. Yeah, and I just feel Maybe like it's the characters he's playing. Because it could be because they're very samey. They're, they're a very kind samey. of reserved. Oh no! Well, the difference between Mencken—I can't believe I remember his name. Neither can I. Um, but Macon, I see you had it written on your hand no. for the last two months. It's not a. It's not a. I, I got it tattooed <laughs> because I just loved the accidental tour so much. Um uh, no, so the, there's Macon, and then there's um, and then there's this character's name, right. whoever. <laughs> this guy who I saw yesterday, Ron Burgundy, totally forgot Ron Burgundy, <laughs> yep. whatever his name is, um, and they're they're not the same because Macon is extremely intelligent, and and Macon is the end up, uh, and this broadcast news William Hurt is total like the exact opposite of that, but they're both kind of like this. Oh, what? But I want to know right. about the. I just like shut up. Um, uh, you know what I? It's weird because like one of my favorite parts in this movie is Albert Brooks. I love Albert Brooks. He's great, and he plays Albert Brooks. Yeah, sure, but he's great. Um, he's great at being Albert Brooks. But one would say he's the best at playing Albert he really Brooks. Is. Um, Albert Brooks is is Marlin from Finding Nemo. If anybody out there doesn't know who Albert <laughs> Brooks is. I'm a clownfish. Uh, and, and basically, he's Marlin all the time. Yeah, he's a little happier in this movie than, than yeah. Marlin is, but yeah. Um, but there's a scene with him and William Hurt um, at the party where... Yep, where they where decide find, that he's going to Where they find out anchor. he's going to be the anchor. Yep. And I'm on Albert Brooks' side up until this scene where like, he goes... He goes the extra length to try and make 
William Hurt feel dumb by like yeah. he's, he's like oh so we're gonna talk about this thing in the and I I honestly forget like what he does yeah but he's like yeah and he's like oh well then you should have known that th- what I said was actually false and then William Hurt kind of like pulls it around he's like well maybe next time we can work on state capitals there's still 50 right <laughs> <laughs> that's a good line this um, movie's pretty funny it's got some, this movie is very dry funny it's dry funny it's got some great one liners yeah um i think despite me not totally liking william hurt's character i will say that at least that he is a character um because i've seen well, obviously william hurt and other things so i know he's, right he's acting. yeah yeah um just like Fatal uh, Fatal Attraction, which I did not mention, this movie got no wins, but all three of its trio were nominated. Fatal Attraction? Glenn Close didn't win Best Actress? Nope. Wow. That's a shocker. Yeah. Um The other the other minor issue I have in this movie, like I I did I did enjoy it. Um is Holly Hunter's character goes all over the page at times. Uh agreed. She's uh, she's she's like firm and independent and then she's like a whimpering whatever. Right. And, and she keeps yeah. getting in her own way. Like her character keeps getting in her own way. Mm-hmm. And I realize like that's the Well that's because she keeps getting cardboard cutouts out of herself. Yeah. She's like, get out of my way, cardboard cutout. Um, and I realize like that's the crux of the movie mm-hmm. is like she wants to be this real she wants to do this real news thing. Right. And she refuses to sacrifice William Hurt just being a pretty boy, which means she can't have a relationship with him. Right. Because she's the antithesis, because he's the antithesis of everything she thinks is wrong right. in the exactly. Senate. Exactly. And then we have Jack Nicholson. And I just wanted to throw that in. Because Jack Nicholson is great in this movie. Because he's just he's in, in this like movie. three scenes. Yep. And they probably paid great. him a billion bucks <laughs> just to do it. I don't think so. I believe they're friends. Because I mean he shows up in as good as it gets later down the line. That's yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Um but So um, he probably did this movie for like Laker tickets. Lakers he probably actually <laughs> it's probably true. Um, that's how you get that's how you get Jack Nicholson in any movie. That's true. This is pre. This is pre Batman deal, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> so this is before he was able to get you know toy cuts of you know broadcast news. <laughs> you, I want all the toys of broadcast news. Sure, but, Jack. Yeah, no, no problem. <laughs> Three years later, I can't believe all those toys are selling from broadcast news. Well, he's just selling them out of the trunk of his car. To be fair, um, um, this movie's written very well. Um. And I mean, and I mean, really, the only problems that I have with the movie aren't necessarily problems with the writing or the acting. It's just the way the film plays out. Yep. Like I just, I just wish that there was another way to play this out, and I don't know if there actually is. So I think it's just a plot problem. Um, I think there is a way. I I think there is a way. I'd have to like sit down and like put on my writing cap and yeah. you know. Um, and, and really think about it, but it's, this movie's really torn. It's typical '80s films problem where it's torn between wanting to do a couple of things, right? So it's it's almost like a person that does too many things where they're not doing anything well; they're just doing them fine, you yeah. Know, because they're not focusing enough energy on one particular uh, task. I also seem to remember that the '80s. Like I, I could have sworn that I've heard the eighties were good economically. Yep. Um, and yet every eighties movie I seem to see, there's like massive layoffs at places. Mm. 
Oh yeah, that's like there's massive yeah, yeah, layoffs yeah. in this. I'm like, really? Was the news industry going through a downswing at the time? Well, that's part of the point of the film, right? But was yeah. that like was that actually happening? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I was a child. I well, wasn't paying attention. You're supposed to be the history teacher. I'm an English teacher. Uh, it's the same thing. Well, well, <laughs> it's not. But I see. I I see your um, point. I did like the the music was was fun in this. You know, honestly, I don't remember the music in this. <laughs> It was, I, I think I wrote that it was fun. Yeah, it was. Because it was very broadcasty. Like, the, the themes in that were... I did very, like that scene with the two guys writing the new theme music. And then it goes... And then it goes... And then it grows about and then it's you because if you watch the credits, it's in the credits. They do is this. It? They do this same audio with the guys going, and then it goes like this. Like, <laughs> I thought that was really that was fun. Yeah, this movie to me almost needed to like it needed like a Sorkin twist. You know what I mean? Like it needed like an injection of energy. I will say that yes, like this movie under Sorkin, the the back and forth becomes a little peppier. Yep. And then I think this movie actually becomes several notches better. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not saying that... I'm not saying it, Sorkin fixes everything or whatever. But Sorkin kind of does. It depends. Some people don't like Sorkin because a lot of his stuff, characters sound the same because they're all, they all speak in a particular rhythm right. and everything. But they're uh, communists. They're, they're That's right. That you nailed it. We're in the 80s, so I'm going back to the Red you Scare thing. You nailed it to the Red Scare. Um, um, look, do you do you need me to be a history teacher right now? Is that, <laughs> is that what you're asking me to do? Look, you're wearing a red shirt. I see what you're pulling. Um, yeah. So, anyway, that's this I, movie. I'm I also done. had to look down to make sure it wasn't my Anastasia shirt, because that would have just been awkward. That would have been <laughs> great. That would have been great. It's not, though. Um I am ready to move on to the next movie. Are okay. you are ready yeah. to move on? Next movie, Moonstruck, uh, directed by Norman Jewison, written by John Patrick Shanley, starring Cher, Nick Cage, and Olivia Dukakis. And Danny Aiello and John Mahoney. Um, just I didn't want to list people. I ran out of room on the page. <laughs> yes, those people too are in this movie. Yeah, but those are the good parts. Oh, you didn't like this movie? No. Moonstruck is the story of a woman who is like pretty much like just given up. She's a widower and she's like, I guess I'll marry this dude. I don't love him. But but at least, you know, like we'll be comfortable. He's fine. Um, He's Danny Aiello. (laughs) He treats me. He'll treat me fine. We'll be comfortable. It'll be fine. It's all nice and whatever. And this guy's like, I got to go to Italy. My mother's dying. I got to go see her. So I'm going to go. And she's like, go, just go, whatever. Just Just go. go. You're a a fancy doctor. Just go. Just go. Oh, he is a doctor. Is he? I think so. I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. I think I made that part. Oh, okay. Um, and so he goes. He's just like, we're going. And, and he's like, okay, you, while I'm gone, you got to you gotta talk to my brother. We haven't talked in five years. I know I'm just mentioning him for the first time right. now. We're getting married, though, and I want him at the wedding right. in a month. So I'm going to send you to do it. Yeah. And then you go, and it's Nick Cage. And it's great. And he's like, I've got this wood hand. And I'm Nick Cage, and I'm the most Nick Cagey Cagey I've ever oh been my in God. my life. He was so Nick Cage. I know. I was actually expecting better of him. Yeah, so it, was I. I was expecting better because it's before he was, quote, Nick Cage. But you know what? It's before he perfected Nick Cage. Yeah, this is true. This is like this him is trying like, out Nick beta, Cage. This is beta test Nick yeah, Cage. Yeah, and you're like, oh, the only reason you keep getting- This is pre-face-off Nick Cage. Yeah, and you're like, man, the only reason you keep getting- uh, 
getting acting jobs after this is because you're uh, Francis Ford Coppola's nephew. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Um, so, like, he really turns he really turns it around. Come leaving Las Vegas. Turn around right. every now and again. We get a. We also Nicholas don't get a Cage share song. To... No, we don't get a share song. They do go to the opera. They do, and they go see La Boheme, which is kind of what Rent was based off of, and that's the shirt I'm wearing. Is that why you chose to? Did you actually nope, do that I on purpose? I just uh, thought that in my okay, head. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so this, so uh, this is also epitome eighty sexiness in in the way, even though it's not sexy, um, in kind of actually, but yeah. in a way that it's like, oh, we can just have an adulterous relationship, and that's everyone fine. has and, an adulterous and everybody, relationship, and everybody wins. Yep. It's like that's her what? father has one, she's having one, mm. her mother kind of has one. Yeah, this what what is it with these move? What is it with the eighties? Eighties, hey, keep it in your pants. <laughs> That's <laughs> if we titled episodes a particular thing. <laughs> yep. that would be the title of this episode. I think we should do it this time just for fun. Just for fun. <laughs> um, so I did not, I didn't like this movie. I will say that being said, there are parts about this movie that I really like. Share, no, okay. I like sharing this movie. I see, I've seen her in better. Okay. Um, I did like the snap out of it scene. Snap out of it. I think because, I love you. No, no, no. It snap wasn't I think it. I love you. It was I love, love you. you. Like, we just slept together. We just met yesterday. We just slept together yesterday. I love you. That scene was deserved. Um, I, I do like I did like the scene a lot where he was like, I love two things, making bread. And you. No, and the opera. So will you go to the opera with me? And she's like, yeah, whatever. I'll go to the opera with you. I'll go to the Met. He's like, meet me at the Met tomorrow night. She's like, okay, where's the Met? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you live in New York. How do you not know where the yeah. Met is? And then she steals her She steals her aunt and uncle's... Um, Cabbages. No, deposit. To, yep. By accident. By accident. She just forgets that it's in her purse, which, which is, is like this weird plot line that comes back. Oh, by the way, remember when that happened? Well, I mean, it's not... It's not like it goes throughout the whole movie. It goes through like 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah, but it's like, what's the point? They show up at the end. There is a lot of that in this movie. Like, yeah. that plot line of the deposit, like, they show up and they're like, is there something you want to tell us? And I'm like, what the? They what know. What are you talking about? Yeah. They know until, like, the money. And I'm like, oh, she never took the deposit to the bank. That's random. Why is that a thing in this the, movie? The other thing was the running joke of when Danny Aiello comes back and him constantly forgetting his luggage uh, like yeah. he puts the luggage down and gets into the cab they drive away wait you forgot your luggage they pull back he gets the luggage he gets out of the cab wait goes back to the cab gets the luggage goes in you know and it happens again in the apartment because mm -hmm. comedy is all in threes apparently and apparently yeah um there are so the shining parts of this movie are olympia dukakis Who's just really good? Who won Best Supporting Actress? Okay, and Danny Aiello. Because you're never gonna not let me like Danny. Is it Aiello. Olympia Dukakis or Olivia Dukakis? It's Olympia Dukakis. I thought it was Olivia. Pretty sure it's Olympia. I'll look it up. Yeah, you do that. Um, so those two actors really kind of try desperately to hold this movie together, and some of the periphery actors. Uh, do their job well. Like her, her father does is well. His father is is good. 
Uh, her father is. Um, yeah, the, you, you would be correct. Is the owner My of handwriting auto-corrected to Olivia. <laughs> um, her father is played by the same actor who did uh, the flower shop owner in uh, Little Shop of Horrors. I know, and it yeah. was great. I just wanted to be like, Seymour! I'm, <laughs> Seymour! I'm, and you know, the thing is, like, he's talking about how he dislikes uh, Danny Aiello to her when she's like we're we're getting married he's like i'm telling you sweetie he's not such a nice boy yeah i'm like you're saying this again yeah <laughs> i did i did love the um he's really good in this i loved i think I, apart from nicholas cage being like oh, i'm nicholas cage like he's really stella even his even his <laughs> even like his hair and his weird teeth oh, like it was yeah. all so weird um I, 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 it was fun. It was cute. See, I've, I don't se- I've it was. seen it. I've seen it before. Yeah. When I was, well, I saw it when I was a kid. Um. So you don't get like any of it. Yeah. Um. But I thought it was all fine. But know what this movie won for? Best hair. original screenplay. Hair. <laughs> she had great hair in this movie. She did. She had I love hair. when she went to the when I love when she goes to the hairdresser and she's like. Get rid of the gray. Like, oh my god, we can't. We've been waiting to do this for years. I have some magazines. Like, I'm just. I just want my hair dyed. Like, yeah. I didn't say I wanted a new hairdo. But she looked great when she got the she new did. haircut. Um, and I think that was. I was like, eighty share. I'm like, wow, eighty share. Why is she looking so frumpy? And like, I realized that was the point of it. Yep. So when she got her hair done. Yep. You know, it was. It was a dramatic change. Uh, that being said, the best part of this movie is the end in the in the kitchen that resolves kind of all oh, of the yeah. And then all it's, of the problems. And then it slowly pans all those photographs, and then you see that Jack Torrance has been in the hotel the, <laughs> the whole entire time. time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was a weird pan at the end, right? Like yeah. why you showed me all those yeah. photographs? I I wanted to like this movie. Like when I saw when I saw this list. And I was like, all right, what do I think might be the early odds on favorite? Just just kind of guessing for what I'm gonna like. Mm. There was fatal attraction and there was this. One kinda kinda got there and one felt like I was really disappointed. I was really disappointed in this movie. You know, I was I was too because this maybe just in my own personal little world, this movie had been elevated. So much yeah. by people around me. So by the time I got to it, I was like, "What? This doesn't make sense. This is dumb. This is this." And yeah. maybe it's because it was overhyped. But I just didn't. I think this movie is absolutely a product of its time, and it does not hold up the this, way that other this movie seems do. to want to skip like four steps in every plot line. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah, like oh that. Tension and drama unnecessary. Right, because like they meet like she meets Nick Cage, they sleep together, and now it's like, well, maybe I don't act, maybe I should break up with Danny Aiello mm-hmm. and go with him. Like there's no like feeling out process. Oh look, we kind like we're we are kind of a better match. It's mm-hmm. just boom. Like yep. there's no there's no it's bridge. So it's so there's weird. no bridge. There's no build up. Yeah, I agree. Because they were moonstruck. Did you see that moon? There was also no like really good eighties song. No, like but there, there was, but there was that's amore. Yeah, there was that's amore, and there was Musetta's Waltz yep. from 
uh, La Boheme, mm-hmm. and I only know that <laughs> name because of Rent. Yep, I know you do. Um, I know. I wasn't going to call you out. I was going to let yeah. you be cultured. Was this the movie? Was this the movie that I? Oh no, that was it. Never mind. I was going to say, was this the movie what? where someone was playing a piano and it just looked really faked? And I'm like, nope, that was the 1990s It. Yep. Because I also saw that this weekend. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Are we Can we go now? <laughs> okay. Uh, Hope and Glory, directed by John Borman and written by John <laughs> Borman. And oh boy, was it Borman. <laughs> was it Borman? Yeah. Starring Sarah Miles, David Heyman. And Aww. probably other people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie. Okay, so this is Palmer and I's favorite. It was a war movie. <laughs> it was a war movie. Uh, actually, I kind of oddly enjoyed this movie. So, uh, so it's about a, it's about kids growing up in London during World War Two. Um, town. It's a quiet village. Oh, quiet London. <laughs> Every day we get bombed again. <laughs> um. It's the Blitz. Run and hide your children in the cellar. <laughs> Ba-boom. 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 <laughs> Ba-boom. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we're terribly insensitive <laughs> people. Call us Disney. We have a new idea. <laughs> yeah. Look, Fox, if you could make a movie out of Anastasia, we can do one about the Blitz. <laughs> All right. Um, this movie pulled me in right away. Yeah, so I, the concept of watching watching a film about war through the eyes of a child, like how they mm-hmm. react to things and not really understand what's happening around them, right. is an interesting concept. It's kind of based on a true story. It's based on John Borman's real yeah. experience. Um, all of that, I think, was a great idea. I think it dragged. Yeah, the the biggest so this movie like pulls me in right away because I'm a sucker for any time you give me news on the march. Yeah. Like I love that stuff so much. And that's like the opening scene. Yep. And then it just like falls off a cliff. I did really enjoy that because it's the it's it's also like a spaghetti western that they're yeah. watching after and all the kids yeah. in the movie theater are just like going haywire yep. and not paying attention at all. And it sets up the film really well yeah because like here's this devastating news about what's happening in the world during yeah. world war Two, and these kids are just whew, don't go don't yeah. know don't care it's yeah. not it's not important to them so watching a film that's really about kids but then hearing like the side conversations that the adults are having mm-hmm. about these big terrible things that are happening and the kids are just like blah, 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 i thought was really interesting i think it just went a little too long it went too long, and there was no real like you like you said. It's it's partially based on it's partially autobiographical, uh, autobiographical. Um, and I think because of that, there's no there's no real sense of story. It just yes. kind of it just kind of bobs and weaves till it, it inevitably has credits at the end. Yes, I definitely agree. However, the scene right at the end before the credits is amazing um, because, you know, London's getting bombed and whatever else. And one of the bombs hits the school that the kids go to. Oh, right. So the kid shows up at the school and the school is leveled yeah. where the principal or whatever the teacher you meet before is like, get an order, blah, blah, blah. And all the kids are at, totally out of control. He has no control. And one kid yells, thank you, Adolf. <laughs> <laughs> which right, is, I remember that which now. was amazing <laughs> oh. because 
if Hitler did blow up your school and you're eight years old or whatever, yeah. you're like, I don't have to go to school. Yeah. This is great. That was you do not understand the implications of any of that. Right. That that was the Nazi recruitment of yeah, the right? <laughs> of the of World War Two. Like if this if this world if this war is going to keep going, join the Nazis. We need, they'll yeah. blow up your school. Yep. Yeah. Um. There's also there's also a really weird, not necessarily side story, but there's a really weird subset of characters of. The mother's family, um, and like okay. her father, who's just perpetually grumpy and doesn't like anybody except the kid because he's really good at cricket. I yep. think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just it. There's there's script problems. Yeah. There might be a good story in it's there somewhere, but this problems. this movie did not mm. find it. Um, this movie didn't win anything. Uh, I'm surprised this movie was nominated. I'm not because I think it's a good because, because it was I think World War it's, II. because a it's a war movie, uh, and b because it's an interesting concept. And sometimes the Academy will, particularly in the '80s, as we've yeah. discovered, will dip you, will give you this idea of an interesting concept, even if nothing else comes of it. Um, we're gonna tip your hat in this direction. I think we've we saw it again in maybe less so in your opinion but like i think life is beautiful is a perfect echo of something like this like mm-hmm. it's a interesting concept that the academy dipped into you know because this is also a foreign film um and well, so it's australian it's, it's i'm not sure but it no it's britain like <laughs> 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 like i'm not sure wait a second <laughs> yeah well i mean he could have moved to a job or he could have financed it in australia i don't know um but uh um so i like well it's a war movie and an, and a different take on it yeah. we'll see where this goes it's a it's a war movie without the war right it's all it's the all to, in the it's all in the periphery yeah. and and so from from that from that area i thought it was interesting i don't think that it it should win anything mm-hmm. And I think watching maybe some of it would be fine, but I don't ever want to watch this movie again. No. I feel like, like, so. Kid actors were good, though. The kid actors were good. The daughter, um, Uh, who has a relationship with the the, the soldier. With the soldier. Like, if that was the movie, like, if they focused in on that. Mm Mm-hmm. And like her trials and tribulations of becoming a single mother in the war. Yep, I think there's a like that's a better, that's more a, interesting that's a good, movie. That's a good movie. Um, that's a good story. I did really like when the kids snuck in, and they had and she and the the soldier, yeah. um, her boyfriend, have sex for the first time, and the s- siblings are watching, and they leave, and they're like, they're not doing it right. Her their legs are everywhere. When daddy and mommy do it, he just gets <laughs> right on top. Like it's like a weird kid conversation. Like they yeah. don't recognize the the oddness or the irony of right. of what they're saying, or whatever. And I that's the stuff that I really enjoyed because it's tough for. It's tough to write for kids. You know, like a lot of writers make kids seem like adults when they're not. Right. Um, Because it's hard to remember what it's like to be a kid. You you put yourself, putting yourself back in that situation, you're still an adult doing it. You run into into two problems when you're writing kids. You either write them too old or too... Too young. Too young. Too dumb. Like you're too... Right. You're like you're pandering. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like the kids felt authentic. Which was good, um, but yeah, it like this is just it's it's a bad script. Yeah, 
Dialogue's yeah. good. Bad script. Bad story. Because there not really enough any. of a story. Yeah, yeah there wasn't really saying, one. Yeah, but that's that. And let's talk about uh, the last emperor, last movie, the last emperor, the mm-hmm. best picture winner for nineteen eighty eight. Yep. This is directed by Bernardo Bert- Bertolucci. Mm-hmm. Um, written by Bernardo Bertolucci and Mark Peploy. Peplo, um, starring John Lone of the Shadow fame. I couldn't even wait until then. John Lone played Shiwan Khan in 1994's epic The Shadow, also starring Alec Baldwin, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, even though I recognize that it's stupid. Um, but I love that movie with all my heart. It was a good movie. It is. It's fun. It's stupidly fun. And I've never seen John Lone in anything else. And here he is in the Best Picture winner of 1988. Um, also starring Joan Chen and Peter O'Toole. Um, this is the this is the story of the last emperor of China. Um, so it starts. Um, it starts at his. It starts at his almost infancy. He's about three years old, uh, uh, Pu Yi. Uh, and it kind of just goes through his life where the last empress of China, um, or one of the last empresses, chooses him as the new emperor. And he is go leaves his family at three years old or whatever and has to go live in the Forbidden City in China and is protected by everybody in there as he rules over a China that is disintegrating into a different regime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's about him, his life as a little kid and then as a teenager and then as a young adult and then you, and then as it goes and goes and goes and goes uh, and it all flashes his time in prison telling, you know, telling the story, telling his story and blah, blah, blah. That is that is the story of the last emperor in a nutshell. I had never seen this movie, nor had nor had I really ever heard of it until until I saw until yeah, we I, had to watch this. I heard of it. I think I'd seen it when we peek behind the curtain when we worked at Blockbuster. Yeah, I remember the cover and all that stuff, yeah. but I had never no one ever rented it or anything like that. There's a reason. You didn't like this movie. Oh, this movie felt so full of self-importance. Of oh, okay. Continue. Um, like, all right. So we've talked about when you do movies based on historical events. <laughs> <laughs> Another peek behind the curtain. The cat is sitting on the couch next to me. Well, on the top and his tail is flicking me in the face. Um, it's so like, it's like wearing a moving scarf. <laughs> it's like a, it's like you live in Harry Potter, kind of. Um, so we talked about it in the past. Like I don't like historical movies that don't tend to really tell keep you, you what's happening. Updated. Right? Yeah, and I knew you. I knew that. you wouldn't like this movie because, again, see, the kid thinks he's the emperor, but he's not. Nobody is until. Until a certain point, because they're not telling him that there's been a revolution and that there's China's no longer an emperor; it's a republic, or a, you know, whatever. Right. Um, you know, um, years and years before Mao, yeah. uh, and so because then he becomes emperor again for a short time, and then he's not again, and it's this big whole political upheaval all the way through. 
we do not study the history of China that closely in the American school system that most people would know what is happening in this movie. Exactly. I I knew zilch. Right. Okay. I was able to follow it to a point because the movie's not really about the politics of what's happening. It's about this kid's emotional journey. Yes. And so if you zero in on that, then you kind of just have to roll with with what else is happening. The problem becomes they insert the politics into his journey. Well, he is the emperor. It's almost impossible not to. Right. So that's the problem is like they insert the politics into his journey to the point where it's like, well, like there's there's gaps of information Mm -hmm. that you deliberately decided wasn't necessary. And now that you're moving this movie forward with this, I want those gaps filled in. Like, I want to know what was going on. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so there's that, and this movie just kind of feels, like, this movie, like, there's, there's the term nowadays, Oscar bait. Yes. This feels very Oscar baity. Two minutes into this movie, and I was like, I know why this movie won. Because it is extremely ornate. Yeah. And detailed and refined. And this is kind of the problem. And kind of the reason why why we talked about doing this is because that's why this movie won. I don't think it deserved to win. Now, see, I I mean, I can't talk about around it. So I would say I think it did deserve to win. I really enjoyed this movie. But I come with a slight bias because I love China. I've been twice, once for work and once to vacation. And I I really enjoyed, like, reliving that experience through this film you know because you spend almost the whole film inside the forbidden inside the forbidden city um so which is in beijing uh which is right basically right across the street from tiananmen square if you if you need some you know geography uh and and it's it's hard to describe without being there you know it's almost like like it's hard to tell you. I what believe I they got, also what I filmed in the Forbidden City. I believe that they did, but I can't check because looking at it, I I'd be incredibly surprised if they faked that. Yeah, because the because Chinese architecture is so detailed and yep. so colorful and so immersive that it's impossible not to gape at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I thought the movie captured that essence and all really well hmm. having seen it in real life okay um it's funny you brought that up because one of the thing one of the thoughts that i had was like i really like how movies set in china look mm-hmm. um and i felt like this movie for some reason didn't capture that probably because you're in the forbidden city yeah for so like you don't you don't see the the grandness of other things besides the besides the palace, mm-hmm. um, and so because you spend so much time in it, maybe it becomes mundane because you're not seeing anything else. Yeah, and and there's several, there's two or three times where they where they're having some sort of Chinese um, ritual taking place mm-hmm. that while I while I will. I will take on faith that they're being done 
like meticulously correct mm-hmm. without any sort of um without any sort of explanation yeah without any sort of explanation as to what they're doing sure it kind of loses the effect for me that's interesting so it doesn't feel otherworldly or reverent or whatever because you have no experience with. right because it's like all yeah, right all you're right. doing this why sure okay but that's that's a understandable but i guess but if you watch say like um a science fiction movie mm-hmm. and you saw some alien race doing some ritual are you intrigued by that or are you like please tell me what you're doing or do you not care at all? I would tend to be, please tell me what you're doing. Why is this significant? Okay, so you just want to know right. the purpose Because of if the I actions. know the purpose of it, I can attach more weight hmm, to what's going on. That's interesting. Um, that's because not... I I like looking at it for the... For whatever symbolism it means, for whatever... There's something about the way... There's something in ritual, the way people the way people move mm-hmm. and exp- and express themselves that I don't necessarily need to know what's mm-hmm. happening to find it beautiful or reverent in any particular way. Yeah. Almost like listening to a song in a different language. Like you might not, you don't, re- like sometimes you don't need to know the lyrics to understand, you know, like to feel something. Right. You know, you don't need to, um, you don't need to know the words to understand. Um, and I kind of felt that way here. But that's, again, like I said, I've been there. And it's it, it it holds a different place for me. Like like we're comic book fans, so yeah. like we're going to enjoy a comic book movie or not enjoy a comic book movie for totally different reasons than somebody who's just like right. there for a right. movie. And that's how I'm equating this. There, like I've been there. I have an emotional attachment yeah. to that country and that place. Um, also, the, the ending, I I do have issues with. Because I don't believe this this person uh, mysteriously just disappeared and became a cricket. Mm. He didn't. It's um, he sat on like a couple of like government councils for like the UN or something like that. And right. like, he actually did not. He this is a f- um, fairy tale esque um, yeah. ending, but it doesn't feel that way until like. Pretty much the last five minutes of the film, maybe the last Where he ten. Goes back to the Forbidden City, right? And then all of a sudden, it just doesn't doesn't hold the same doesn't hold the same weight. Yeah. I guess the same. Way. But think about the way like the kid is like brought into the Forbidden City in the first place. Yeah, um, it's kind of it feels mythical and otherworldly. It doesn't necessarily feel real, mm-hmm. um, and so maybe that's just what they were going for yeah i don't know the fairy tale version of because because that what's happened is kind of true but not totally true i did some research on the story afterwards because yeah. i was i was interested and so a lot of the bones are correct and like the timing and a lot of it is is pretty mm-hmm. good but like like he has one wife right or one wife and a mistress through yeah, this whole film, he has the, his prime wife and his secondary wife. Right, which secondary be, wife be, runs away. Right, but when he leaves the Forbidden City, she becomes the mistress, which is why she runs away. Because in because but she in the, still calls herself the, second wife. Right, but because that's what she was. But right. but in but they say like in the Western society, then that's not a thing. Yeah. So now and she runs away, and she runs away. Um, um, but but my um, point with that is like he had 
more wives than that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you and, see them, you you kind of see them in the Forbidden City, and then they kind of mm-hmm. they kind of um, fade off into obscurity after they leave, right? Uh, and then his prime wife ends up being hooked on opiates, mm-hmm. and she like there's a. There's a stark transformation, like, just like the shadow before he became the shadow. Yeah, uh, there's there's a stark transformation, like the last time you see her, mm-hmm. and she's still kind of beautiful. And then when you see her, like later on, like before they, before he gets arrested, yep, and she's like totally like yeah, methed out, mm-hmm. opiate out. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't sound as right. No, so I I had that discussion in my head. I went with methed out. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, like I said, this. I understand why you didn't this, like this it. This movie and I, needed to be more historical. I understand, yes, it, because it focuses so much just on him. Yeah. Then you do lose. You do. You lose, lose sight of what's going. What's on going on? And like what's who's, causing this? Who's holding a revolution? Why is that important? Why are they? What's right. it about? None of that is really given any cause. Yeah. Um, but at the same. At the same time, sometimes so much of that you need context. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, like you can watch a movie about World War Two, and you already have the context, mm-hmm. right? You because you know it. You studied it when you were a kid. Yeah. Um. We don't have that luxury with this, so I think if you just made a movie about like the politics of it, which they have, there are other movies about the, there are other movies about this guy. Okay. Um. I. I I think it might be a little like it's too much yeah. because this spans his whole life. So if you're doing his life and his journey as a person plus all the political like underlying stuff like, right. that's so that's so much we'd still be watching the movie right I now. I think there's a way to do it. Um you just kind of speed up his children. That's it's a little it gets the older he gets the more interesting it gets. Yeah. Um it's funny cuz I was just thinking in my head um in the very short-lived uh, Clerks the Animated series, mm-hmm. there's an episode where they joke about getting back to, um, like, the meat of Clerks, which was just them in the store mm-hmm. with stuff going on around that they don't interact with. Like, the world they don't interact uh, with. Yeah, sure. And at the end of the movie, at uh, the end of the uh, episode, they're like... There's a lot of stuff going out there. Let's go check that out because it's more interesting. That's how I felt about this movie. Yep, yeah, I want to. I want to see. I want to see that other stuff. That other stuff. I don't is, really care about you. Mm, that's interesting, and I think that's totally valid. Yeah. Um, but you can see why out of these five movies, why this is why this one. I can see it because I because I know enough. About what the academy, what the academy really gets for. off on. This movie got nominated up the wazoo. It like yeah. came out of left field and shocked everybody. Like, where did this come from? It won best picture, best director, best adapted screenplay, cinematography, production design, costume, sound, editing, and music. Uh, I'll agree with music, mm-hmm. costume, maybe set design, um, but overall, I don't like. Like I just like production of that. Okay, like, so let's say like so let's say cinematography. What movie would you give better cinematography to out of well, these five films? I don't know films? who else got nominated. Out so of let's these just five say films? let's just say it's for these five films. Um, I would probably give it to Broadcast News. 
What? Just the the intera- the the way the scenes inside of the newsroom are shot, mm-hmm. I think, are done really well. Yeah, I, I get it, but it just doesn't. It's not. It's not the prettiest. But this, this movie is almost like Titanic in a way that the sheer scope of the movie sometimes like outweighs the rest of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, and so. So I, I, I completely understand why the Academy gave. This was another one of those really tough years, um, I think. To be like these, so these, these are the movies, eh? You oh, you know? mean tough as far, yeah, to, yeah. Um, so when, 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 when break, when given all of these films, I go, okay, yeah, it's the Last Emperor. I get it. So, yeah. well, I guess that's my vote. So you say the end. So the Oscar goes to. A movie, uh, right? Yeah. Right. You see what I mean? Um, uh, this is this is very awkward. This on the is Oscar a real stage. Sophie's choice. Yeah. Can I give it to Sophie's choice? Don't make me choose. <laughs> no, um, you can't give it to Sophie's choice. All right, I'm gonna go with Fatal Attraction because it because of its cultural seepiness, I guess. Uh, that's definitely one factor, um, but it's never my deciding factor. Mm-hmm. Um, this is neck and neck with like broadcast news mm-hmm. and then everything else just was terrible. Um, not terrible, but I, no, yeah, I, I, know, what you, some, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, I give it to last emperor because one, because the Academy like saw fit to give it to them and I, I watched it and I understand why. <laughs> You're like, well, there's not really one I love. So, so I'll just stick with what the Academy said. Yeah. I think. I, I mean, I know why they chose it, and I agree why they chose it. I do agree with you that there were some things that could have been done better, mm-hmm. but I say that, but out of all of these films, I could say that about all of them. The only one that I think the story is pretty pitch perfect, and I really wouldn't change anything, is Fatal Attraction. Right, and I think that's why I went with that, because yeah. I really liked broadcast news, mm-hmm. but I have issues with the story, Okay, uh, and I would like to see it. I would have liked to have seen stuff differently. I think they did the best with what they had and probably the best with the idea he had. But I wanted to, like, I think that idea just is ultimately flawed. Yeah. Um. So it just can't be great. Yeah. Like, it's just one tier down. And I don't think, I don't think Fatal Attraction's great. I really like Glenn Close in it. I like the movie. I'll watch it again. And that's what it comes down to ultimately this time around is... In a in a year where most of the movies I don't want to touch again with a ten foot pole, mm-hmm. there's two that I would probably watch again. Yeah, Fatal Attraction is the better of those movies. Yeah, I based on our conversation, I'd almost give it to Fatal Attraction, just like on what we said, because yeah. I think it's it probably holds up in its own way more than the others. It's it's well acted, yeah. it's well crafted, all that stuff, but it's missing the Oscar oomph. And I think that I, I think that Last Emperor had that oomph. Yeah, see, but I also like, recognize that it's not for everybody. Yeah, like I see the Academy seeing that oomph, mm-hmm. but for some reason I just don't see that oomph in that movie. And that's that's fine. yeah, that's which fine. is good because I really like oomphs. it when we disagree. I do too. It doesn't tend to happen nearly as much as I thought it would. No. What do you want to get for dinner on the count of three? One, One two, two, three. Chinese. Turkish. Yes, we didn't agree. <laughs> we'll get 
in Turkish my head, Chinese. Was, in my head, I was like, he's gonna say Chinese. I almost didn't. I almost didn't. We both end up saying Turkish. Chinese, yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, maybe he'll say Chinese. So it'll be fun no matter what happens. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get some Turkish Chinese. Well, we were also just talking about The Last Emperor, so <laughs> there wasn't nearly enough shots of Chinese food in this movie. There really wasn't. I no. don't think... Uh, there was that part where they had the the taste testers. Yep. Like, all of... <laughs> a ton of my ancestors have been poisoned. That guy... <laughs> that taste tester is a real stand-up guy. As he's not actually putting food in his mouth, he's just like, ow. Ow? Yeah. <laughs> like, off to the side. Just, he's just throwing it behind him. Um... All right. Well, anyway, so those those are the movies, and yeah. uh, we can wrap up here. Where you can find us at uh, Twitter and Gmail at Academy Rewind. You can rate and review us on iTunes and find us in all other places. Podcasts can be found like Satchel Overcast and Google Play. Uh, you can find all other Thought Bubble Audio shows at thoughtbubbleaudio.com as well as in all other places that podcasts can be found. Please, uh, by all means, check them out. Um, you can. Also, go to a Patreon and um, and donate some money, which would be and Patreon us and Patreon us. That's right, and Patreon us, yep. um, which would be which would be very lovely. There's a whole bunch of tiers there at Patreon.com/slash/ThoughtBubbleAudio that you can check out. But until next time, I think that's them playing us off. No, I have so many more people to thank. Oh, too bad. Bye. Bye.